when people are happy at work, they will stay longer. They're not going to look at the time to see, oh, it's five o'clock, I need to go home. When people have friends at work, they will enjoy it more. They'll dedicate more. They'll really care. Uh, and, and I can keep on going talking about culture forever, even though culture is probably the part that I find the hardest to explain because it's something that's being built. Uh, I, I, I love people and I care about people. And I think that it probably all starts from there. And uh, when people feel that they're being cared about, they will always give you more. Ladies and gentlemen, wake up. Welcome to Wake Up With Focus, your home to learn all things digital, marketing, content, branding, and business development, finding out what's gold and what's old in the world of digitalization, hear from industry leaders, and discover how to market to those who matter most to your business. With your host, founder of Focus Recruitment and Focus Media, Belinda Agnew. Yet another episode with Wake Up With Focus. Can't believe we're already at episode five, guys. It's just been such a crazy ride so far. I'm so forever grateful, not only for the guests that have come on the show and shared their blessings and learnings of their success and their personal growth, but also the people that are listening. It's you guys that are making this show. It's you guys that are sharing the blessings also. So I just really want to say thank you to every single one of you. And I hear every single one of you reaching out on all the platforms. So thank you so much for that. This is episode five. I cannot believe it. It feels like episode 55, but it is episode five. And I'm truly excited about this episode for many, many, many reasons. I will go in and do the introduction for you, but this introduction is just way too long. Uh, I really want him to hone in as much as possible on this episode to talk about as much as possible when it comes to business, growth, success, and the brands that he's built, because in the end, it's the brands that he really left behind and it's a legacy. So I want to welcome you, a serial entrepreneur, a co-founder of some of the most well-known brands in Australia. He co-founded Eat Now, which later merged with Menulog. We'll talk about that throughout the episode, but he sold Menulog alongside his brother, Hezzy, for $855 million and the Menulog co-founders right before Uber Eats came on the market, right? Crazy. <laughs> he also co-founded alongside his brother, Hezzy, Catch of the Day, which is catch.com.au. Scoop on. He also is a shareholder of other successful brands such as Luxury Escapes, Fiverr, Vervo, Tribe, and Flipper, just to name a few. To say Gabby and his brother has had an interesting life is really an understatement, to be fair. Having grown up in Israel near the Lebanese border, emerging to Australia in 1986, Himself and his brother, Hezzy, are one of the most successful invested duos today in Australia. And with that, I want to welcome you to the show, Gabby Leibovich. Thanks for coming all the way from Caulfield, <laughs> 20 minutes. Was it 20 minute drive or 30 minutes? It was 30 minutes drive. Nice to be here with you, Belinda. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Gabby doesn't uh, do face-to-face uh, -face podcasts, so I think this is like his... First, is it your first podcast no, no, first, face to face? Uh, let's correct it. Of course, I'd love to do face to face <laughs> podcast, but uh, I've been uh, publicizing this book over the months of October, November, uh, and Melbourne was still under, uh, you know, COVID. So it's actually my second face to face. But you're a lot better looking than the previous guy. <laughs> 
I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I wanted to jump straight into, I guess, the story of Gabby. And I know you've spoken about this so many times, so I don't want you to be repetitive on the previous podcast, but (laughs) who is Gabby? And I guess I'm intrigued to understand the past to the present on how your past has shaped who you are today. And I guess, yeah, let, tell me a little bit about, about your story. Like what's your upbringing like? What's your, your present like now? And I guess what shaped you to who you are today? Okay, so a uh, very interesting uh, question to start, Belinda, to make sure that I certainly don't repeat myself because no one's asked me uh, that before in uh, that, that, that kind of uh, a, a manner. Uh, Gabby is a uh, you know, 50-year-old uh, an entrepreneur born in Israel in uh, 1970, uh, arrived in Australia in uh, 1986 at the age of 16. So I finished year 10 in Israel, started year 11 here, very basic English doing, mm. you know, subjects like chemistry, biology, maths, uh, you know. So, um, you know, cert- cert- certainly an immigrant that uh, made uh, Melbourne Melbourne my home. I married, I got uh, three daughters aged uh, 17, 15 and, uh, and, and 12. And uh, over the last 15 years, I've been very, very lucky to uh, to be around uh, at the start of uh, internet and online shopping. I uh, started selling uh, from the garage uh, back in 2004 uh, and uh, having been involved in uh, and, and, and touched some amazing businesses in the last decade. And that's why we just wrote this book together with my partner and my brother, Hezi. The book is called Catch of the Decade. And, uh, you know, the businesses that we touched and are known for are Catch, Menu Log, uh, Scoop On, and, um, and, and, and Luxury Escapes. Mm. Um, it's been a very interesting, uh, year for me, having sold the business to, uh, West Farmers in, uh, August 2019. Uh, I thought that I'm going to spend, uh, a year of traveling and having lots of fun and, uh, and enjoying the pleasures of life. And then, uh, COVID hit the world and we all had to, uh, had to change our plans. Uh, okay, that's a yeah, that's pretty much. an interesting introduction. <laughs> and uh, if it's an interesting question, because I, <clears throat> I guess the the pitch of the brands and there's so much that you've done, and and we'll obviously talk about that a little bit more in the podcast. But um, I would like to know when Gabby walks into a room or an event uh, with your brother. What if people come up to you and ask, what do you do? What do you actually say? Because you just do so much. What is your answer? It's it's really interesting. So there was Gabby until uh, 2020 and Gabby after 2020. So before 2020, uh, we used to say we're the founders of Catch. Okay. And prior to that, we were the founders of Catch of the Day. And I remember that for many, many years when we said catch of the day, people told us, uh, you're obviously in the business of selling fish, you know. People didn't understand what it was and it took quite some time. Yeah. But uh, I can tell you that uh, in the last six months, all I have to say is catch and that is enough. People know the brands. It doesn't matter who you talk to. Mm. You walk into any post office and and you see the parcels. You drive in the street and you see the uh, the billboards. You drive in your car and you listen to radio commercials. Uh, you know, certainly in the last, uh, you know, 18 months, Catch has become uh, a household name. And, uh, and of course, that uh, happened due to the, uh, you know, again, COVID-19, which is something that we cannot ignore in, uh, in today's conversation. E-commerce is front page news, open any newspaper today. Mm. And uh, everyone is talking about the growth of, uh, of e-commerce all around us. Yes. Uh, so truly exciting times, uh, you know, for, 
for for for, for certainly e-commerce players. Um, so my resume will always be the founder of uh, of, of Catch, of Catch and yeah. it's something that uh, you know will follow me uh, most likely forever. It's a just huge like brand. Uh, you know George Costanza in Seinfeld. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it's a brand that you obviously had to let go of recently, uh, you know, by selling it off. And we're talking about that a little bit earlier, mm. about how you miss your baby and the team and, and being a part of it. Um, so there was an article that I read uh, on AFR, I think it was about six months ago, you mentioned how pandemic paves uh, the waves of digital and that uh, digital is the new thing. And if you're not launching a business in digital, um, you're pretty much not dead, but, you know, you will eventually mm. drift off into the clouds. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because a lot of businesses are still really skeptical, even during COVID, they're so skeptical with pushing budgets online. And is it really something they need to do? Because everything they've been doing up to date has been working. So can you talk about how, what you meant by pandemic paves the waves um, and that it's the best time to launch a digital business and why? Look, million, millions of people around the world have definitely realized this year that uh, the digital is, uh, is, is here to stay. The world is not going to the, uh, you know, the pre-COVID, uh, pre-2020 uh, tense. Uh, I've mentioned in, in, in that article that uh, 2021, the year that we have just uh, entered, will be the best year ever to launch a digital business. Mm. And from the investment community side of things, it'll most likely be the best year ever to invest in uh, in digital businesses. Mm. Uh, e-commerce, which is, you know, close to my heart, uh, you know, any article that you read, uh, companies have, you know, doubled and, and sometimes even tripled the, their sales over the last, uh, over the last 12 months. But not just e-commerce very much, uh, you know, every single space. We spoke earlier about, uh, about Zoom. Uh, we can talk about Netflix. We can talk about, uh, in, in any industry from, uh, from education. You can see all of how all of, uh, all of the education has moved to, uh, to Zoom this year. Mm. Uh, the whole concept of uh, working from home versus uh, offices, areas are being disrupted left, right, and center, uh, you name it. Uh, there's entrepreneurs sitting right now in, uh, you know, small offices in, uh, in, in, in Tel Aviv, Pakistan, New York, and Melbourne, uh, coming up with uh, new solutions that will disrupt the world uh, forever. Mm. Uh, would you believe that, you know, Airbnb and Uber have only been around for about uh, 11 or, or 12 years? Yeah. They started at the, uh, at, at the previous disruptive period, the recession of, uh, of 2009. Mm. I remember the first time someone told me, me uh, the concept of Uber and Airbnb. And we all thought to ourselves, wow, that's crazy. I'm not going to let anyone else come into my house. Mm. But uh, it's amazing how the world has evolved in the last uh, 10 years. And it's very exciting to uh, think what's, uh, what's, what's coming next. It's really interesting because I didn't know, well, I didn't know they were quite young, but 11 years, when you think about that, that's really short for a business, <laughs> you know? It usually takes like 10 years to really find, yep. but it's just goes to show how much we've evolved um, as, as an economy. And during COVID, do you, like, what's your thoughts on businesses, you know, not disrupting, but businesses going from retail storefront 
to 100% e-com because I actually have a client, you probably know Milano Furnitures, they're quite big online, Milano. They're actually one of my clients and um, they closed down, I think, several stores across Melbourne and Sydney uh, to go purely online. So all their budgets are pushing online and they're doing 10x to what they used to do previously having retail stores. What's your thoughts on retail stores that are still skeptical to go 100% online because a lot of them don't really know where to start. Look, I don't think- In all honesty. Many of them, I don't think, uh, believe that they should go 100% online. Uh, you know, the, the, the model going forward, and you can see it with all the leaders uh, in retail in Australia, whether it's Rebel, JB Hi-Fi, Kmart, Bunnings, uh, you, you name it. Mm. The model is both, um, you know, bricks, it's bricks and clicks. It's yeah. the ability to, uh, to have your retail out Outlets, uh, and certainly have a very strong uh, digital offering. Uh, it, it's great to see that they're all taking digital very seriously. And again, during the last 12 months, they've all doubled and tripled their sales. And uh, you are hearing companies like, um, you know, Solomon's, Lou, uh, you know, bunch of companies moving to about 20 or 25% uh, online sales. This week, we saw the reports from JB Hi-Fi and from Rebel and numbers are, uh, are going through the roof. Uh, a lot of them are uh, change, changing and uh, reducing their uh, their street frontage. Uh, company that's close to us, the one that acquired Catch, Kmart, and Target are doing that right now. They're shutting down a bunch of Target stores. They're uh, rebranding a bunch of Target stores and converting them to Kmart. Okay. Uh, but certainly, digital is uh, is is going to be a big component of uh, of Australian and uh, and world retail in in, in years to come. And let's go back into catch. Uh, I know we touched on a little bit about your story, but I'd like to know how did catch start? Like bring us back to the days of you guys at markets, grinding. You know, I think Hezzy was standing on top of a car at one stage <laughs> trying to sell shirts. Oh, no, you were, sorry, and Hezzy was around collecting coin. Tell us about that, like from going from that to to catch selling it for hundreds of millions of dollars to West Okay, farmers. so what you're referring to is in the early days of our books, we're talking how, um, you yes. know, when, when I was 18 and my brother Hezzy was uh, 12, uh, and as soon as I got my first, uh, you know, driving license, uh, we started hitting uh, Melbourne markets. Uh, we used to go every Sunday to one Turner market. We used to go to Caribbean market, then the known markets, yeah. et cetera. Uh, the whole uh, retailing bug is, is, is part of our DNA. Mm. Uh, our father was a retailer back in Israel. He was a retailer in Australia selling uh, electronics, the very first uh, models of fax machines, cordless phones, mobile phones, etc. That was, uh, you know, again, we're talking in my late, uh, late teens, early twenties. Mm. I've spent the next 10 years working in a business that was owned by my dad called, uh, Panacells in Brighton. Mm-hmm. That store was an electronic store selling, uh, refurbished goods in the space of electronics, things like mobile phones, uh, microwaves, televisions, uh, audio and, and the like. Mm. And uh, I remember when someone introduced me to uh, eBay, it was probably sometimes around 2003, very early days of uh, eBay, very early days of online shopping. Most people didn't even know what the WWW was uh, was for. Uh, but I clearly remember those um, those days. And uh, I left my dad's business and I started uh, an eBay store from the garage. Mm. 
going to my suppliers and friends that uh, I acquired over the last 10 years. They were mainly in the electronic space. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I remember the first product that I placed online. It was a, a set-top box by a company called uh, Wintel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've placed it on the eBay uh, shop and uh, didn't check it for a couple of weeks and came back a couple of weeks later. And I've made about $1,000 of profit and sold about 20 of them. And I thought to myself, wow, there is something interesting here. Yeah. And from then onwards, it just kept on uh, increasing. I spent about two years in the uh, in the garage selling on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the peak, we reached about 60 different products a day. Every single day, I went to the local uh, post office in Caulfield. I was there yesterday, by the way, and it's the same lady behind the counter. No. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and every day I was there a couple of times a day, uh, you know, shipping a bunch of goods. Yeah. Uh, in 2006, I joined forces with my brother and we took a tiny little warehouse in uh, Moravian. It was about 200 square meters, uh, not larger than the, bus- the building that we are at uh, right now. And uh, we started selling online. And uh, the turning point was in October 2006 when we launched, uh, you know, the, our, biz- our first, you know, success story, a business called Catch of the Day. Mm. Catch of the Day was had a unique concept whereby we came up with a very unusual model where we decided to only sell one product a day. Right. Sounds a bit crazy. Yeah. But every day at midday, we've placed on the page only one product. Our first product was a DVD player. The second one was a battery charger, and I don't even remember what the third one was. The product stayed 24 hours on the page from midday to midday, and uh, quite often, uh, you know, they sold out before it reached uh, 24 hours. Sounded crazy. I remember going to the first few suppliers in the early days and telling them about our model, and I'm sure that they thought to themselves, What's wrong with these guys? You know, this mm. concept will never work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've proven every, everyone wrong by placing unbelievable deals on the page, relying on uh, word of mouth. Everyone started using the site, mm. joining the site every single day, coming in at midday to see what bargains uh, we managed to, uh, mm. to catch and mm. source for them. And uh, by 2009, we were already Australia's most watched uh, online shopping site. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. (laughs) The rest is history. That's so fascinating to watch you talk about catch. You're so passionate about what you did. It's interesting to know where the drive came through. Like where did that aspire? Like because I I know obviously going from markets and and doing that with your family, where Mm. did the drive come from? Was it because you didn't come from money and you wanted to be able to have your own to create better things for yourself and your family? Where did that come Look, from? Quite often, uh, I describe myself and my brother as uh, as accidental entrepreneurs. And uh, Belinda, I'm 50 today. I started selling online when I was 36. I wasn't uh, I wasn't a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a degree in computer science, which uh, which I never really used. Uh, I'm probably not someone that you would have expected mm-hmm. to uh to to succeed and be a pioneer in uh in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh what do we attribute it to? 
many things. I think uh, you know your readers will probably have to read our book to to understand more story. of who we are yeah. and, uh, and 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 where it all started. But in the book, we talk about the concept of uh, of not taking no for an answer, mm. the concept of uh, the third door where you knock on a door and no one wants to sell you any stock, and you try and find a different door to walk in, and mm. you then that means you may need to break the window uh, if if necessary. Uh, the book talks about, uh, we discussed earlier, my, the story of my, uh, my wedding at, uh, at Telstra Dome. I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a soccer fanatic and back in 2002, uh, Leeds United, uh, played a friendly game at, uh, at Marvel Stadium. Yeah. And, uh, I sent the organizers an email and, uh, told them that my dream was to get married on a soccer field. Why don't you organize me a wedding at halftime? And, uh, and they did. And you can see my wedding on, uh, on, on, on YouTube. And there's a photo in the book. And the moral of the story is sometimes in life, all you have to do is ask. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you don't have to be afraid of, of, of asking because the worst thing that can happen is someone will tell you no. Mm-hmm. So when I asked them to organize me a wedding at half time, of course, I didn't even expect them to even reply to me. Uh, but as it happens, they didn't have any halftime entertainment and we became the halftime entertainment. Wow. Uh, and this book is full of, uh, lots of stories, uh, lots of stories like that, uh, that, that shaped our last uh, decade or two. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because I, we spoke about it before and you only sent one email. That's it. You didn't follow up. You didn't call. I didn't follow up because I probably didn't expect them to reply. Right? I mean, what are the chances that something like that will happen? Yeah. And, uh, and oh. it just goes to show. And it's a story that I love. And uh, again, being soccer fanatic, I love telling the story to, uh, to soccer lovers because it feels <laughs> yeah. like it's everyone's dream, but uh, very few people would actually uh, you it. know, think that it's actually achievable, whether yeah. you love cricket or, or, uh, or uh, footy or, or David Bowie. Um, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> Why not, right? Ask. If you don't ask, you will never know. That's right. Um, I want to talk about the biggest one of all of buyouts, which is uh, menu log, which a lot of people have spoken about before, but – this is massive. I mean, the most intriguing part to me is you sold Menulog, a part you were part of Menulog, for eight hundred and fifty-five million, right before Uber Eats had come on the market. Was that a strategic move? Did you guys know <laughs> that something was like you have to have known something? Did somebody tell you no, that I, they were going I, out on market? So I'll tell the story from from the beginning. Uh, so back around 2012, we spotted that uh, the food delivery space is hotting up all around the world. Right. And uh, at the time, Menulog was you know, a Sydney-based company that was leading the market. Yeah. And we launched a competitor to Menulog, and we called it uh, Eat Now. Yes. And uh, within uh, three years or so, we did a quite a good uh, job at at, uh, at competing with Menulog, uh-huh. and we became the second largest uh, food delivery space in the market. Uh, just to remind you and the audience, back in 2012, 13, 14, 15, the delivery of the food was organized by the driver that was employed by the restaurant. Yes. Yeah. In uh, February 2015, we merged with Menulog 
and we formed a combined company. In the book, we discuss the concept of one plus one equal three on a number of occasions, which is a concept that we really like, whereby uh, we believe that it's much better to not compete against your number one competitor. And if you do join forces, there's so many benefits that allow you to grow together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we really think that it's much better to have a, a smaller piece of, uh, of a bigger pie, pie mm-hmm. uh, or in this case, uh, a bigger pizza. So we joined forces with them in February 2012. And uh, what happened then, every food delivery leader around the world was interested in buying the Australian entity because after joining forces with them, we probably owned about 95% of the food delivery in Australia. Can you right. believe it? 95% of food delivery happened through menu log and eat now in mid-2015. Uh, Long story short, a company from England came about. They called uh, Just Eat, and they ended up buying the whole entity for the crazy sum of $855 million. Wow. We owned 30% of that pie at the time, and Menulog owned the other 70%. To go back to your question, did we know that anything will happen? Absolutely not. I remember clearly at the time telling people that there is no way in the world that someone could come in and disrupt this game because Menulog and Eat Now were so strong. I remember using the line that my grandchildren will be buying from Menulog. And uh, how wrong were we? Uh, six months later or so, both Menulog and Deliveroo entered the Australian market completely changed the game mm-hmm. by uh, by introducing uh, riders and drivers uh, that deliver the goods. And uh, how crazy was 2020? We talked earlier about yeah. how 2020 affected e-commerce. The other thing that you think about when you think about 2020 is you think about food delivery. Yeah. And those businesses have definitely gone from uh, from strength to strength. Menulog is definitely one of the top three players. I'm not sure who's the leader. I'm guessing the leader is Uber Eats today. Yeah. But uh, they're all very secretive, so none of us really know the numbers. Yeah. But uh, look, every day I walk past restaurants and I'll see the Menulog uh sticker on the window and it certainly makes me uh, you know really proud knowing that we had a part in that story yeah that's so crazy mm. i wonder what it would have sold for if uber eats came on the market i'm guessing less than half but who knows less than half i would wow. say so what a deal yeah. what a strategic move even so, though it wasn't <laughs> look we, we certainly got the timing right you on got the that timing one. right yeah. what a great deal um that's yeah that's awesome so I, I want to um, chat about, I guess, your focus because you do so much. And I'll say that again. You do so much. Let me, let me stop you there, Belinda. You can you- see me laughing. <laughs> People approach me every single day and send me messages and say, hi, Gabby, can we have a coffee for half an hour? You must be really busy. Can you please give me half an hour of your time? The interesting thing is, Belinda, I actually do very little today. <laughs> I really? don't do much at all. You we delegate d- well. We, d- we did a lot in the decade, uh-huh. um, you know, preceding our exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest, uh, right now, as in February 2021, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm hardly doing anything. Yeah. Uh, I've spent 2020 together with my brother writing the book. Mm-hmm. I just came back from uh, three weeks exploring Perth and the Market River region, which I highly recommend. 
most Beautiful. amazing beaches in the yeah. world and the best weather in the world, unlike the shitty weather that we get at uh, Melbourne every <laughs> single day. Bipolar. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. You made me laugh when you say you do so much because I actually yeah. don't. I actually do very Not little. Now. <laughs> well, I mean, you are super busy, let's yeah. be honest. You are obviously really busy with other things coming up in the market and I'm sure you've got your eyes open for opportunities everywhere. But I'm talking about when you had catch of the day, yeah. when you had scoop on, when you were part of Menu Log, all these other brands like Luxury Escapes, Fiverr, you, you're part of Tribe. How did you manage to do it all? I mean, even though you're an investor, but it's still keeping up to date on how those businesses are going because it's your money, a part of you're a part of the business essentially. So what I'm trying to say is how did you create such focus okay. and where did you mainly how did you know where to put the focus? Because right. a lot of entrepreneurs stuff this one up all the time. All right. You told me earlier, Belinda, that you read half the book. So that's in the second half of the book. Okay. And uh, in this book, we have about 200 lessons and it's on the front cover, you know, one billion, two brothers, three exits, 200 plus lessons. And we saved the last lesson for, for last and the best lesson and the most important one as the last lesson in the book. And the last lesson in the book is as follows. It's all about the people. It's mm -hmm. all about the people. It's about hiring really smart people that care about uh, the journey just as much as you do. We call these uh, people uh, intrapreneurs, intrapreneurs with an I and not entrepreneurs mm -hmm. with an E. And these are staff members that uh, that are joining you on that uh, amazing roller coaster ride, and we've had amazing people like that that have joined us for you know a, a decade or more. Would you believe that our first employee in the business, a gentleman called Ferry, is, that joined us back in 2006, is still in the business now? He's been there for 14 years. What does he do? So now? we, we is 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 in the tech side, you know. So is he's, 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 wow. he's a is one of the main programmers. Uh, the, the, the general message is that we managed to build an amazing uh, culture of success mm. that people enjoyed coming to work every single day, working hard for us. And when we spotted uh, leadership and when we spotted care, uh, we managed to elevate a lot of those people into leadership positions. So... In the middle of the book, we talk about uh, an, an exciting period in our history where we launched a lot of new businesses, mm. which was around 2012, 2013, 14. Mm. Within a short period of time, we launched uh, the following businesses, Scoopon, Grocery Run, Mamgo, Eat Now that we spoke about earlier, Vino Mofo in a Space of Wine, and a bunch of others that I can't even remember. And the only reason that we could do that is because we had really smart people taking care on each of those businesses. Mm. Uh, the other sense. thing that we need to talk about is I've been very fortunate to have my brother as my partner. Of course. And we've been fighting through this journey together. And in the book, we discuss how we managed to build those businesses by delegating and separating our uh, roles. For example, in April 2010, we launched our first, second, our second business, uh, Scoopon, yeah. which was a huge success in those early days. It was a disruptive new uh, business along the lines of Groupon. Mm -hmm. The reason Scoopon was managed to to be to be built and be successful was because my brother actually left the catch of the day room mm -hmm. and moved to a completely different office in order to start Scoopon from scratch. 
So between myself and my brother, we have, uh, you know, an amazing, uh, you know, trust. Uh, and I'm guessing being siblings is, 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 is one of the main reasons. That was one of my next questions. Uh, we have <laughs> a completely different set of skills. You know, yeah. I enjoy the day-to-day uh, monotonous, repetitive uh, job of, of growing catch. My brother actually enjoys the, the early days of something, starting something from scratch, hiring new people and creating and, and solving new challenges. Mm. So, uh, just a small example to show how having someone as dedicated as you are by your side that can share in the workload uh, is, is definitely something beneficial to the growth of your business. Yeah. So I would recommend to everyone out there to uh, to find themselves that co-founder, whether it's a sibling or someone you studied with, etc. someone that you start that can bring a different set of skills that you yourself don't have. Yeah. And it's interesting because he's your brother. Yep. You lived a life with him and then you built a business with him and you consistently still stay strong to this day in yep. your relationship, which is incredible. Yep. It was one of my next questions, like, how did you do it? You guys were brothers? <laughs> like, how did it work? Because a lot of people say the number one rule, never go into business with family. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And you guys did it. And you did amazing things. Look, it works so, in some of worked. the cases. I know yeah. so many cases where it doesn't, but uh, this, this book is divided into three. And the start of chapter three, uh, the first few pages talks about, uh, you know, that exact reason. Uh, mm. One of our first employees, a gentleman called Vijay, said the following line. Mm. This business would not have succeeded with two Gabbies and it would not have succeeded with two Hezis. It needed one of each. And he said that after working with us for about 10 years. And it's such a smart line because uh, we both 100% agree with that uh, yeah. with that statement. Because two people with my characteristics would not have been able to build that business. And the same goes with my brother. It needed one of each. It needed the good cop and the bad cop. It needed the tech skills and the buying skills. My brother, for example, would never do a podcast. He knows that that's my job, you know, yeah, but yeah. someone needs to do it. And if there's no one that's able to do it, then right. the business is missing out. Yeah. But at the same time, my brother is sitting at, uh, in an office right now, building our next business, which I can't talk about. And I trust him fully in building that next business right. while I'm publicizing the book. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you like the extrovert and he's the introvert. That's correct. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, going into my next question, we spoke about, you know, culture is important, people. Culture, obviously, and people is the, the hardest thing for any business um, and any leadership, of course. People come and go, you know, high turnover is a thing now in, in 2020 and moving into 2021 now. Uh, talk about how did you find talent and how did you sustain such talent? Because finding talent is hard. and same as keeping. Tell me about how you found talent. Did you guys have recruitment agencies that you were using or was it based on networks that you had? And what's your structure like within the business to keeping talent? Uh, it's an important question, an important part of the business. And again, we talk about that uh, in, in the middle of the book sometimes. The general message that I would like to leave with you today is that uh, we really managed to create uh, a happy workspace. Mm-hmm. 
and happy doesn't mean just a ping pong table or, or, or a coffee machine. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. People truly enjoyed coming to work every single day. Uh, our businesses were not in, uh, in the cool parts of Melbourne, being South Yarra, South Melbourne, the CBD, etc. Because we always had, uh, in, in most cases, we had uh, a warehouse and we had it to, we had to be in the industrial parts of Melbourne, being, right. be it Moorabbin, uh, Brayside, Mulgrave, etc. But for some reason or another, we always managed to attract the best, uh, the best staff members. When someone came for an interview and all you have to do is walk around the building for 20 minutes and you you get to really feel and see the vibe. And you get to see people working with smiles on their faces. And uh, one of the lines that we use in the book is that when people are happy at work, they will stay longer. Mm -hmm. They're not going to look at the time to see, oh, it's five o'clock, I need to go home. Mm -hmm. When people have friends at work, they will enjoy it more. They'll dedicate more. They'll really care. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And I can keep on going talking about culture forever, even though culture is probably the part that I find the hardest to explain because mm-hmm. it's something that's being built. Uh, I, I I love people and I care about people. And I think that it probably all starts from there. And uh, when people feel that they're being cared about, they will always give you more. Yeah. Mm. So it's about asking and listening to what they actually desire. And so much more. <laughs> and yeah, obviously so much more, but I guess those are the keys for us. We always ask, like, what is it that we can do yeah, to so. assist your career or your growth? Because a lot of them have passions for other things. It's like, how can we help your passion yep. outside of work as well? Yep. Um, interesting. Do you guys do a lot of uh, day outs and things like that and, and cash giveaways and, and bonuses in the company? Or is it just... Without getting into too much detail, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably touch on on the point that again, t- when 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 employees are happy, yeah, it's it's, it's the salary it, it becomes a lot less important than than, than you think. You're it very is. right, yeah. Than you think it is. Yeah, people want to earn more when they are unhappy, mm-hmm. but if they are happy, they are happy to take less. Saying all that, I think that at catch uh, over the years we've paid uh, you know above and beyond. We really took care of our stuff. Mm-hmm. But the the message that I want to leave with today is that it's certainly not the most impart- important part mm-hmm. uh, in in order to keep your great stuff with you for the ride. Mm. I like that mm. people, yeah, culture. Um, Let's go back to the book because uh, I did go through half of it and I do want to <laughs> read the other half because it's it's a really good book, I must say. And I don't really read. I'm more of a podcast audio person. Um, I want to talk about after doing all of these crazy things in business with your brother, Hezzy, you created such a big empire and you've obviously become an investor yourself. Um, would you say you're an angel investor or a VC? What, what, what do you say? You're just an investor into digital businesses or e-com? A backer and investor of companies in in in, in all stages. Pitch? Okay, we don't have any rules. There's no rules. Okay, so whatever attracts that's to, right. to you and Hezzy. That's right. So, what's the day in a life of Gabby now? After doing all these crazy things, what does a day look like for you? From 
you know, a.m. to p.m.? What time do you wake up? So what it's time interesting. Do you eat? I, I touched I touched onto that earlier when we're going back to I'm it. Really I think it's going to be a really boring answer because my day is is is, is quite boring right now. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't I don't have an office as as, as such. Uh huh. Uh, all of my friends are, are working really hard. Yeah. And uh, I'm so called uh, unemployed slash retired. I don't really know how to describe this kind of stage of 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 flux yeah, in my life. Yeah. The truth is, Belinda, I'm not enjoying it because I've been a, a workaholic yeah. all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, looking at uh, the next big thing. Uh-huh. I'm spending a lot of time uh, reading online. Uh, just like you mentioned, I also don't like uh, business books, even though we've written one. Uh, but I do spend a lot of time uh, educating myself Relevant by reading stuff. TechCrunch, reading the Financial yeah. Review, yeah. Yeah. Or, or reading soccer magazines, whatever interests you. Yeah. And we all should become a little bit smarter by the end of each day, and I try to do that. Um we talk in the book about the concept of, uh, the concept of, uh, luck. And we think that luck is composed of three, th- three different, uh, three different things. First one is, uh, is location. It's about taking yourself and making yourself available. Uh-huh. And you are available to me right now because you drove all the way for an hour and a half and I drove uh-huh. half an hour to see you and hopefully good things will come out of it. The second part in luck is, uh, is, is timing. And, mm-hmm. and that's quite obvious. Timing is very important. But the third part in luck is, is learning and it's education. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we all need to educate ourselves every single day. And I think that when the three of those components hit you and, and you see an opportunity, you'll be able to, uh, to spot it and, and, and jump at that opportunity and hopefully execute mm-hmm. and create something very special. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree, but. I know you don't want to talk about your day now, but what about before? No, I can't talk about but it, but it's going to be a really boring no, not answer. Now. Not now, not now, not now, because you're retired. I'm talking about before catch of the day. Did yeah. you, were you like a 5 a.m., 4 a.m. wake up? Look, it, it, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, I never, really? I never wake up before, uh, you know, probably eight in those days. Now I wake up at seven because my kids go to school and they catch the bus, etc. cetera. Uh, but no, uh, so 8 a.m. till late nights Look, in the office? 8 a.m. till 5 or 6 in the office. But when you're an entrepreneur, you come back home, yeah. uh, you have your dinner and you do what you need to do with the family and then you're back on the computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually being talked about in, in the book as well. And being an entrepreneur, there's no such thing as a 9 to 5. The no. brain is always working and mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of something and, you know. Uh, always looking for the next big opportunity and always creating and always shaking hands and always mm-hmm. going to conferences. And it's not going to stop. I'm going to go in, into any retail and e-commerce conference this year all around the country. It's amazing. And uh, it's quite unusual for an unemployed guy. But, you know, <laughs> i got to keep myself busy and interested. And I think that's where the next opportunity will come from. And, um Yeah. <laughs> You definitely need you need you definitely need that reason to wake up in the morning, yes. which I have recently lost. The part that I miss the most, Belinda, is actually going to work and sharing it with what we had at the time about two hundred twenty people in the office. Because mm. these two hundred twenty people have become my really close friends. They've become my family. Yeah, and building something with them and seeing it succeeding, nothing nothing really beats that. Uh, nothing beats that feeling. And, mm. and I'm missing the whole uh, office atmosphere right yeah. now. By the way, 2020, a lot of people have missed the office atmosphere yes. because of the working from home yeah. uh, element. It's quite, yeah. Uh, but it's certainly something that, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, I'd love to experience again. So wrapping it up, um, I know we've asked a, a ton of questions and there's a lot of good insight we've received. So thanks for that. But what what advice would you give to, I wouldn't say an entrepreneur, but 
somebody that's really eager to start a business in 2020, 2021, I apologize, we're in 2021 now. What advice, what is like the top three things that you mm. would say? They've got an idea, they've got a concept, they don't have money. Should they raise? Should they not? Should they bootstrap for a bit, see if the idea works? What advice would you give somebody? All right, two things. In digital, uh, let's just uh, say. So, digital so, I, so I get approaches every single day via LinkedIn I'm sure you do. of people that have great ideas uh-huh. and, uh, you know, they're asking for my advice, financial backing, etc. My first advice to them is stick to what you know best. So I find a lot of people that try and launch a business in an area they do not understand whatsoever. Uh-huh. Someone that's coming from teaching wants to do logistics. You know, I'm not kidding you. Today, this week, someone approached me. He's a, he's a carpenter from Victoria and he was pitching to me an idea about, uh, about packaging. The, the general message is stick to what you know best. Uh, uh-huh. you know your space very well. He knows his space very well. Stick to what you know best. And that's where you'll be able to see the opportunity and see the, uh, See what 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 can be fixed and done better. Uh, the second uh, part is uh, great idea by midnight, execute by midday. Don't think about it for too long. Start doing it. Just get into Just it. Start. There's a lot of people doing it. That. Start your business, and you can improve on it later on. Uh, but don't wait for perfection until you uh, until you launch your business. Mm-hmm. I can keep on going because there's like a million so different many. pieces of advice. Yeah. And every time I'm asked, I'll probably come up with something else. But uh, for today, these are the two. Stick to what you know best. Mm-hmm. Stick to t- stick to your area of expertise and try and find uh, you know the next big opportunity. Interesting. Um- I'm going to leave it at the last question, which is super interesting. You've probably been asked this before. I don't know. Let's see. So let's just say Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> the founder of Facebook. He wakes up one day and he comes to you and says, Gabby, I want you to take over Facebook for a day and I want you to post one thing on Facebook, on all social media that will reach 7 billion people across the world. What is the one post that you would post and why? It's the second time I've been asked that question. Really? And you know what? It's so interesting. It, it killed me. I couldn't answer it the first time. And I remember telling <laughs> telling the guy that was interviewing me, I'll, I'll come back <laughs> to you on that one. So I'm going to come back to you on that one too, Belinda. I actually don't have an answer. But it's a have, very good question. It's, it's a good question. I'm going to have to think it's, about that one. It's interesting. One. Okay, let's, let's shorten it. Would it be about business or would it be personal? Like a personal development message for people value or would it be talking about your brand one message yeah belinda that's a very <laughs> hard message. question Seven billion i don't have people. an answer for you i'm sorry <laughs> i'm gonna be really boring and i'm we'll just come gonna back to that i'm just gonna avoid that one okay okay we'll come back to it and when okay. you do have an answer we'll and now uh, we're finishing on a really really low note <laughs> But um, let's talk about, wrap it up about the catch of the day. Um, So for anybody that doesn't know, Gabby has uh, wrote this amazing book called Catch of the Decade with his brother, Hezzy. And all of the funds go to charity, guys. So where can they go to get the book? The book is sold everywhere. I mean, uh, you know. Obviously online at Australia's number one uh, book destination, Booktopia. I think the number one seller is uh, is actually Amazon. Sim- okay. Simply because so many people go there, but you can find it in uh, every bookstore around the country. 
As I mentioned, I just traveled into the most remote uh, remote towns of WA, and it's in uh, it's in every bookstore out there. It's That's actually amazing. number one uh, business bookstore on Booktopia. And I'm going to leave you with a few copies today, uh, Belinda. Thank you so much. And where can people find you on social if they want to reach it's, out? It's, re- it's really LinkedIn. You know, I, LinkedIn. Save, I save Facebook for uh, close friends only. Okay. Uh, but LinkedIn is for the community. People reach out to me every single day and I reply to uh, everyone. Uh, it's I've, I've really enjoyed the last couple of months getting daily reviews from uh, readers mm-hmm. telling me how much they uh, really enjoyed the book, how it uh, you know allows them to uh, fix their business and um, and 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 move it forward. And uh, it gives us a lot of pres- pleasure to uh, to get such feedback. Thank you so much for coming on the show and driving 20 minutes for me. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you, Belinda. It was great being here. Thanks for choosing to wake up with focus. If you haven't already, please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And for more tips and tricks on how to propel your digital presence to success, follow the Focus Group on our socials via Focus Recruitment and at Focus Media Original on Instagram. Connect with us on LinkedIn at Focus Group and at Focus Media or get in touch directly, belinda at focus.com.au.